0: Well, hello, Hope City Church. My name is Jason, and uh, I'm the pastor here. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to do that. Uh, I do want to say hey to a couple of different uh, groups of people, obviously here in the auditorium, main auditorium in South Louisville, but we also have uh, a crew of people in our next-gen room at the South Louisville location. A big hello to you. That's where we're having... Uh, our family-friendly, what we're calling our family-friendly service. It's just kind of a judgment-free zone if you got small kids. And then everybody who's watching online, want to say hello to you. Last week, there was about 100, 120 of you who are watching online, and we know a lot of you are Hope City family. Uh, You're just not comfortable coming back yet, and we get that. And then there's some of you who are watching who are uh, potentially checking out the church and just so hello to everybody um, and glad that technology allows us to be together And to do this and today we are starting a brand new series called Jonah and I'm excited part of the part of this series one of the aspects of the series I'm really excited about is that we have partnered with YouVersion the Bible app so if you have a smartphone uh, with your iPhone or any other kind of phone, Droid, any other kind of phone. If you use the Bible app, you can actually follow along and do this seven-day reading plan that we put together. Plus we put together daily audio podcasts for your car, workout, whatever, so that you can understand what you're reading. So if you wanna search Jonah or seven-day Jonah uh, on your Bible app, you can do that. But honestly, the easiest way to get everything you need to get and go where you need to go is just to text Jonah to 55 55444, just text the word Jonah to that number. You're not signing up for anything. It's not gonna ask for any information. It's just gonna send you back the links to the Bible app and the podcast so that you can get where you need to go. And that's seven days. It'll be a good time and uh, you'll, you'll enjoy that, I think. So part of, part of the challenge in preaching through the book of Jonah, there, there are a couple, but part of the challenge is figuring out what lessons to teach. It's a, it's a four-chapter book. It's a, it's a short book. It's only 48 verses from start to finish. You can read it really quickly. You'll read it through actually twice in that reading plan. Uh, but it is one of the most famous childhood Bible stories because it is, it is rich in application. So many uh, lessons. But in some ways, the childhood Bible version nature of the story has robbed Jonah of, of his teeth. Because the book of Jonah has a bite. It is not this cute little story about a man who ran away from God and got swallowed up by a fish and then said, I'm sorry, and this fish spit him out. That's not, uh, that, that, that does happen, but that's not what the story of Jonah is, is about. It's a story of a man who loves his country more than he loves his God It's a story about a man who hates people of different races and nationalities. It's a story of a man who constantly, repeatedly needs God's grace, but refuses to give it to other people. These are some of the themes of of the book of Jonah. So when I say it has teeth, I mean it, it bites. The book of Jonah bites. And another challenge is that the bedtime story causes us to treat it like a fiction story. It feels like a fable. It feels like a, a nursery rhyme, this cute little story, you know, fictional story. And there's actually been in the last 20 or 30 years in the theology scholar uh, category ranks of people, there's actually been a little bit of debate and pushback about whether or not the story of Jonah is is a true story. Or is it just an allegory? Uh, is it a parable? Is it just kind of a story that was passed down, you know, among Jewish families to... To make a point. And this has caught a little bit of, of momentum the last two or three decades. Uh, people kind of making this argument. Now, overwhelmingly, uh, historically, people believe Jonah is true. Overwhelmingly, Christians believe Jonah is true. And I, I'm a nerd, you may not know this about me. I'm a nerd, so anytime I get the opportunity to like deep dive into data and research, I'm in. And so I've actually uh, spent a lot of time reading about both sides of this argument because I'm just interested. I just wanna know and trying to figure out kind of where I fall on this. And after reading and, and kind of trying to, to discover all the facts that are available to us, I believe wholeheartedly, I do believe that the, the story of Jonah is a true story. It's not a fictional story. It is a true story. And the hangup obviously for the story of Jonah the reason that people struggle to believe that it's real is because a man was inside of a fish for three days, and that, that seems a little far-fetched. Even as I say that, some of you are like, come on, Jason, like that's, you don't believe that, that's that's far-fetched, but I do, I do believe it, I do believe it's true. I believe it's true for two reasons, you may not care, but some of you care, so I'm just going to tell you, all right, this is a little, a little nerd time, but I, I believe it's true for two reasons. Number one, I believe it's true because I believe a whole lot of things crazier than a man could be in a fish for 3 days. Uh, I believe in Genesis 1. I believe that God created the world through words. I believe he said, let there be galaxies and planets and solar systems and oceans and skies and insects and I believe he spoke those and and they were created. That's crazy. That's crazier than a man in a fish. The cornerstone of my faith, the cornerstone of the Christian faith, the foundation is that I believe a man died and was put in a tomb for three days. And then I believe he got himself up from the tomb and resurrected three days later. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's much crazier than a man being in a fish. So the first reason I believe, and I don't really get hung up on like, is it real? Is it not real? Is because it's not even the craziest thing I believe in my faith. But the second reason, and I think maybe the more legitimate reason, if you're you're looking for one, that I have no issues or that I I believe Jonah's a true story is because Jesus referenced Jonah. You may not know this, but it's in Matthew chapter 12. Uh, Just two little verses. I want to read them to you just so you can kind of know. Maybe you have this conversation with somebody. But Matthew 12, Jesus replied, only an evil adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. They were saying, you know, prove your God and do something, He says, but the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. So this is the Jonah we're gonna be talking about for the next five weeks. Let's look at the next one. He says, for as Jonah was in the belly of the well, belly of the fish for three days, or the great fish for three days and three nights. So the son of man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. So, so Jesus says that what I'm about to do is, is, is what Jonah did, that just as Jonah was in this fish for three days, so am I going to be in the earth. So, so Jesus was kind of validating and legitimizing what happened to Jonah. And so those are just some, some reasons that, that I believe and that a majority of people believe that this is a true story. It is a crazy story, but it's a true story. And so over the next five weeks, here's what I want to ask you to do. As we're teaching through this story, I'm going to challenge you to push beyond, push beyond the cute bedtime story version of Jonah. And let's look a little deeper. Let's press in a little bit deeper. And, and, and when we do that, we are going to, to learn some lessons. God wants to teach us some lessons through this really aggravating, frustrating, stubborn, stubborn Man, I just want to give you a heads up. You are not going to like this guy. He's a prophet, but you're not going to like him because he's so stubborn and he's so aggravating and he's so opinionated and he's so frustrating. And I think that's why he can teach us a lot because we... Are the same way. So here's just a couple of things over the next five weeks that we are able. These are lessons and themes that we could pick out from this story. We could talk about how to obey God when He asks us to do something we don't want to do. You ever been there? We can learn that from Jonah. We we could learn a, how to love people who act differently than you. And this is this is an important lesson. We can learn how God's grace can change the heart of someone that we are sure it will never change or impossible. Someone unreachable, someone so far gone, we can learn how God's grace can reach them. That's an important lesson. And I, I think maybe the most important lesson that we are going to learn throughout these next five weeks is how we become blind, you and me, Jonah, become blind to our need for grace. If you're familiar with the story of Jonah at all, you know that there's a group of people, Ninevites, and we're gonna talk about them in a second. And, and they're, they're really bad. I'm gonna tell you how bad they are. But as, as you hear this story, like so many other Bible stories, the temptation is to assume the really bad people are, are other people and you're the hero or the main character. But the reality is, as, as we go through this, we are the Ninevites and we are Jonah. We're despicable and we're religious. We're lost and we're lost. And, and so we have a lot that we and we can, um, we can learn from there. So here's what I want us to do. That was just a little setup for you. I want us to read. We're going to start with the first two verses, Jonah chapter one, verses one and two. Just going to read those first two verses together. And then I want to pray for us and then we'll see what God wants to teach us. So Jonah chapter one, Verses 1 and 2, it says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would teach us through your word how. We need grace, how we can be stubborn, how we can fight you every step of the way when you're trying to do something beautiful in our lives. God, I pray that your word would speak to us and we would not hear a cute childhood story, but we would hear your word, the word of God, and it would change and transform our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Over the years at Hope City, we have spent a lot of time and a lot of messages talking about hearing from God. I have a, a program I use on my computer that I put all of my sermons that I type out in. And so I've been preaching pretty regularly now for almost 12 years here. And so I went back and I just searched as I was preparing for this message. I went back and searched um, any messages on hearing God, hearing from God, words from God, messages from God. And there were a lot of sermons and a lot of notes in there. And we talked about, you know, how you can hear from God tips and tricks and how to confirm that it's God and not yourself and all, we've so many different aspects of that. And the reason that we have talked about it so much is because it's important. If you're gonna have a relationship with God, relationship implies communication, Relationship implies communication. You're not gonna be able to have a relationship with God and you're not communicating with him and, and he communicating to you. But that can be a really intimidating idea. And usually what happens is one of two things happens when you start talking about hearing from God. Either, and I think most people fall into this camp, Either it's incredibly intimidating and so we just push back and we say, well, I've never heard God. I don't think I'll ever hear God. I don't really, that sounds odd, bizarre, weird. I I don't know, it's just intimidating. That's one group. Then the other group is the group that just gets really comfortable with it and everything's God right? And so just God is confirming their biases and God is telling them everything that they want to hear. And it's kind of an excuse to justify the decision that they wanted to make all along. You know what I mean? We've all done this. You know, it's, it's, it's God kind of you know, God, I really want to, I really want to date that person, but they're not a Christian. And then they were wearing a shirt that said, Jesus is my homeboy. It's God, you know, that they're, they're, I, that I can do it. Or I want to buy a car that I can't afford, but that car just happened to drive by me on the interstate. It's a sign. It's God, right? And and we use God to kind of confirm. And so that's kind of the two camps that people people fall in to when it comes to hearing from God. And ironically enough, you know, culture, our culture is incredibly open to this idea of something supernatural speaking to us. Culture is incredibly spiritual. Uh, it's, they're not Christian. Culture is not Christian, but it is incredibly spiritual. And it doesn't have a problem with the idea of something inside of you or something bigger than you speaking to you or guide you, Right? So culturally, it would not be odd if you're talking to somebody at work who's not a Christian for them to use language saying, hey, you just got to listen to your heart. You've got you to you follow that, that guide. You gotta, if you're unhappy, there's something else calling you out there and you need to listen and you need to respond to that and, and you, need to, you need to go after that. There's not much pushback to that idea that there's something else out there speaking to us. But for Christians... It's different. For Christians, it's different because we don't use our feelings to guide us. We don't use our gut to guide us to the truth. We use God's word, specifically when we say God's word, the Bible. That God can speak to us outside of the Bible, but we lean on and stand on the Bible, God's word to be what speaks to us and what guides us into, into truth. And so the moment you bring that into the equation, that's when culture rejects it. Culture has no problem saying there's something else out there speaking to you. But the moment you say it's God's word and it is the standard that we gauge everything against what we are believing or feeling, it gets, it gets rejected. Higher power is okay. As long as everyone's able to hear what they want to hear. Whatever you hear, that's yours. Whatever I hear, that's mine. Whatever you feel like is right for you, that's good. Whatever I feel like is right for me, that's good. That logic doesn't stand for five seconds. Like it breaks down so easily and it, it, it doesn't work. It's a ridiculous notion. But nevertheless, Christians, we are at odds with culture as soon as we say God is speaking or God has spoken and it requires us to respond and we respond by changing or aligning our lives based on the truth of what God said. Is everybody still with me? So if you are, if you are, if I am, if you are saying, I feel like God is saying, or I feel like there's something saying, or I feel like something out there is saying, and whatever that is does not align with the truth of God. As Christians, we don't adjust our life or make decisions in our life based on whatever that is that we feel or see or hear or believe is calling to us. As Christians, It is the Bible and it is is the word. It's the word. And so culture says, if you're unhappy, you need to listen to your heart and follow what you know is true for you. Does that sound familiar? But the Bible says, if you're unhappy, it's because you've been following your heart. And you have been listening to things and believing things that aren't true. Now, what does that have to do with Jonah? Like, like Jason, why why did you... derail there, detour. I said all of that because Jonah's story starts with God sending him a message, a message from God. And I thought when we were kind of putting together this series, I thought, you know what, we'll do that first week. We'll just take time again to talk about how to hear God. If you want to hear God in your life this week, this month, if you want to hear God, let's talk about how you can do that. But the more that I begin to kind of think and pray and, and, and read through this story, I felt like instead of talking about how to hear God, I wanted us to zoom in a little bit and specifically talk about what do you do when you're pretty sure that God is telling you to do something you don't want to do? Now, I say pretty sure because it's a lot easier to be pretty sure than it is sure that God is speaking. But what do you do when you're pretty sure that God is speaking to you? But you don't want to do what it is that he's telling you to do. That's what I want us to try to figure out, because that is how Jonah's story starts. Let's read it again. Verses one and two, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. Now, if you know this story or, you know, you're familiar with this story, you know that you know, you, you, you know what's gonna happen, and so this message seems a little bit normal. Even if you've never heard the story before, it's like, yeah, he's a prophet, God speaks to him. But if you were uh, one of Jonah's friends, and Jonah said, hey man, God spoke to me, and this is what he said. Or if you were a Jewish person hearing this story in that time for the first time, this is not a normal message from God. This is a bizarre, crazy, wide-eyed, no way that's God type of message incredibly strange message from God. If you were Jonah's friend, you'd say, Jonah, you need to pray about that. That's not God, right? Why, why was it such a bizarre message? Well, there's a couple reasons. Let me give them to you real quick. The first reason this is a really bizarre message is because God is asking a Hebrew prophet to go and preach to non-Hebrew Jewish people. Old Testament, this is a big deal. In the Old Testament, it's about Jewish people. It's about God and his people. There was not really any talk of going outside of the Jewish people and talking. So for a Jewish person, they'd be like, why, why would God want you to leave this and go to that camp over there and talk to those people? That doesn't sound like God. Another reason this would have been a strange message is because no one could have believed that the Ninevites would have any interest in God. I mean, the Ninevites were terrible, violent, despicable people. It was the capital of the Assyrian empire. And you do any research, you dig in at all, you find out that they were the most violent, cruel people in the world at the time. Terrorists in a sense. And I don't mean to be gross, but I mean, you start digging around a little bit, you find out things like when they would win a war, When they would win a battle, they would capture the enemy and they would cut off their legs and cut off one arm, leave them alive with one arm so that they would be forced to shake the hand of the Ninevites who just defeated them. They would hang decapitated heads in the walls of the city to celebrate their victory. They were known to burn children alive. So if you know this about people, if you know this, And then someone says, God told me that I need to go preach to them. You'd say, that's a waste of a mission trip right there. Because let me just say, they ain't got any interest. And they're probably going to kill you anyway. And there's no way, they're too far gone. There is no, no way. And Jonah himself had to be thinking like, God, why would you even want to waste your time trying to reach them? Why would you even want to show them grace? These are awful people. It'd be the equivalent of me standing up here and saying, I feel like God wants us to take a mission trip and we're gonna go find the leaders of ISIS and preach to them. Y'all said, you said, Jason, you need a little time off. You're, you're, you're running out of steam. Some of y'all are like, that sounds amazing, but your spouse wouldn't let you go. Some of y'all right now, I can see you're like, hmm, I don't, can I take my gun? Like, I don't, you know, you're like, that's, you'd be in. If I said, hey, we're gonna go, we're gonna take a mission trip to North Korea. He'd be like, no, we're not. This is what Jonah is hearing from God. It's also a strange message because of who God is asking to go. Jonah is not a nobody. He's a national prophet. He's got a platform. Modern day terms. I mean, he's got a big podcast. He's got a TV ministry, a YouTube subscriber channel. He's a big guy on social media. People know who Jonah is. This is a, this is a, this is a suicide mission. So God is sending the most well-known minister prophet to, to, on a pointless mission to people who have no interest in God and they're probably gonna kill him anyway. Are you understanding why, why, why this message from God seems ludicrous? But there's one more reason why this message is a problem. It's a personal reason to Jonah. It's where I wanna spend the, the, the last minutes we have together that's what I want us to focus on. And we're going to talk about it more in the last week, the, f- the fifth week of this series. Because in the, in the fourth chapter, in the end of the book of Jonah, Jonah and God are going to have words. And they're, they're, going, to, they're going to have it out a little bit. And, and in that conversation with God, Jonah is going to tell us specifically why he ran. Because spoiler alert, if you don't know the story, he's going to run. we're going to talk about that next week, Okay. And so I was always told kind of as a kid, well, he was scared of the Ninevites and I'm sure he probably was a little bit. And so that's why I ran, but that's not why I ran. We don't have to guess. We know why he ran because he told God and we get to read it. This personal reason why Jonah hated what he heard from God. Jonah chapter four, verse two, it says, so he, Jonah, complained to the Lord about it. This is what he said. He said, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this Lord. He's talking about showing mercy, showing grace. So he says, in other words, he's saying, didn't I tell you God that you were this, I knew you were gonna do this. I knew you were gonna be nice to these people. I knew you were gonna show grace to these people. Didn't I tell you that you see like, you see Jonah like talking to God like this, right? He says, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this Lord? That is why, he said, that is why I ran away. To Tarshish. Not because he was scared, but because he hates these people so much. And look at what he says next. He says, I knew. Everybody say, I knew. I knew. I knew. He says, didn't I say before I left you would do this? I knew you would do this. He said, I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love, and you're eager to turn back from destroying people. Jonah says to God, I know you spoke to me. I, I, I know it's a message from you. And I, I, I'm, I'm clear on what you want me to do, but I know where this is headed. I know where this is headed. I know what you're going to do. I I knew. I knew. And have you ever been there? Have you ever had that type of experience with God where God is having conversation one with you, but you know, if you engage, you know what conversation six is gonna be. You know, if you say yes on step one, you know where it's going, you know, you know. It reminds me when I was a a teenager, um, I was a church kid. A lot of you know my story, but I was a church kid. And I I, I prayed center prayers a lot as a kid and I got baptized a lot as a kid, but it, it wasn't a genuine experience for me. I didn't really commit my life to Christ till I was 15, almost 16, and had what I consider to be a true conversion, the spirit changing my heart. But when I was, a, when I was a, in the youth group, my youth group at the time, they were gonna take this trip that summer to this place in Florida called Brownsville. Uh, it was Brownsville Assembly as a God. They were having this revival, this world famous revival. And uh, when it was all said and done, like millions of people were getting saved at the Brownsville revival. Maybe you've heard about this. And I had heard the stories too, and I'd seen the videos. And the youth pastor said, hey, we're going to take a summer trip to Brownsville. And when he said that, I knew. I knew. I knew if I got on that bus, I'm going to have to get saved because everybody gets saved at Brownsville. And I didn't want to get saved. I didn't want to follow Jesus. I had some things I still wanted to do. And I knew if I was a Christian, I wouldn't be able to do those things. And I said, I'm not going. I told my mom, I said, mom, do I have to go? I don't want to go. She said, no, you don't have to go. I said, I want to go stay at my friend Michael's house in Knoxville. She's like, that's fine. You Take a week and go stay with him. It's okay. So kind of like Jonah, I went the other way. They were going south. I went north. Because I knew, I knew. I knew if I went down there, I knew what God would do. And we're going to talk about this next week, but you can't. You can't outrun God. You can't outrun God. I go to my friend Michael's in Knoxville, and we're getting in a little bit of trouble, and we're hanging out at this house, and a lot of you have heard this story, and I know it sounds crazy, but I I had to go to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom. I'm using the restroom, and on top of the toilet is a Bible open to Psalm 51, and in that moment, the Holy Spirit of God grabbed my heart so strong. I flushed the commode. I lowered the seat. I got down on my knees, and I asked God to save me, And I committed my life to Jesus Christ. I went to church that night because I wasn't sure it counted in a bathroom and I I did it again at the church, but it counted and it was the real thing. And here's my point. I knew if I got on that bus and I went to Brownsville, I was gonna have to get saved. So I said, God, I ain't doing it. I'm going to Knoxville. God said, that's fine, go to Knoxville. I go to Knoxville. He gets me in a bathroom because you can't outrun God. And we're gonna talk about running from God next week. But you have those moments where you know You know, you know, if you start coming to church, you know, God's going to get your heart. You know, if you start really being honest about how you feel, you're probably going to have to end that relationship. You know, you know, if you begin to really kind of confess some of your struggles, you know that you're eventually going to have to give some things up. And so instead of leaning into what you know that God is asking you to do because you know where it's headed and you know how it's going to go. You fight God every step of the way. See, we commit our lives to Christ, but we don't do it all the way. We kind of do it in installments. We say, God, my life belongs to you. And over the next you know, 20 years, I'm going to give you little bits and pieces of it. It's not how it's supposed to go, but that's what we do. And so God just keeps showing up in our life and he just keeps speaking to us. And see for Jonah, God wanted to address Jonah's prejudice and bias and nationalism and, 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 and racism. And, and he said, here's how we're gonna do it. Go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, we read it in chapter four. I know, I know how this is gonna end. You're gonna save the people that I wish you would destroy. And I don't wanna do it. I don't wanna do it. See, like Jonah, we prefer God's messages to be safe and manageable. We want him to confirm what we want or, or promise us something positive. And Jonah had experienced this before too. There's two little verses in Second Kings, you probably never noticed them before, but it's another reason why I believe Jonah is a true story because other parts of the Bible talk about Jonah and so in these two little verses in Second Kings, it talks about King Jeroboam II. This was the king, why Jonah was the prophet. And I just want to read this to you in verse 25. It says, uh, it says Jeroboam II recovered the territories of Israel between uh, Lebohemoth and the Dead Sea, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised through Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet of gath hepher And so this was an experience where God said to Jonah, Jonah, go tell the king he's going to win the war and he's going to capture all the land that had been previously missing. Now, this is what I'm talking about. Those are the messages we want from God. Hey, go tell your boss. You're going to have your best quarter ever. We want want God to say to us, hey, listen, I got a message for you. Don't miss church next week because your future husband's going to be there. Yes, thank you, God. That's what I want. You're going to get a promotion. You know what? You're, you're right to be upset about what that other political party is doing. You stay angry. That's what we want God to say. But can I be honest with you? Most of the time when God speaks to you, it breaks your heart, makes you feel incredibly uncomfortable, confronts the things in your life that you don't want to confront. I'm not saying God doesn't say good things. He does say good things. But I'm always nervous when people who claim to hear from God only have positive things to say. Because usually by the time God has to speak in a way that gets my attention, it's because I've ignored him every other way he's tried to communicate with me until he finally needs to grab me by the shirt collar. And he does the same for you and for me. So Jonah hears from God. He knows where it's going. And that's why he said, I knew. And here's what I believe. I believe. I believe that God is speaking to you. That for so many of you who are listening to me right now, he has been speaking to you and you know he's speaking to you. You don't need me to give you five ways to know if God's speaking, you know. For some of you, it's, he's been speaking to you your whole life because you had a praying grandma that prayed for you, even when you had no interest in God and she's gone now, but her prayers are living on and you just wish God would leave you alone, but he won't, he won't. You know, God's speaking, you even know what he's saying. And the only reason you haven't obeyed yet is because you know where it will lead. It's one of the roles the Holy Spirit plays in our life. He convicts us, which is just a fancy way. Conviction is just him trying to convince us. So when, he can, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, he's trying to convince us there's a better way. That's not right, don't do that. Do that, this leads to life. And so the Holy Spirit shows up in our life and he convicts us. And so when you're running from what you know God wants you to do, whether you're running literally or whether you're hiding out or whether you're just suppressing or whatever it is in your life, you begin to try everything you can to drown out the voice of God in your life that you know is speaking to you and you know what he's saying. You know what he's saying. So throughout this series, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see that, that Jonah is gonna fight God every step of the way. My man is so hard headed and so prideful and so egotistical that he knows what God wants him to do. And he's gonna fight him in chapter one. And he's gonna kind of argue with him in chapter two. He's gonna reluctantly obey him in chapter three. And then he's gonna argue with him in chapter four. And you and me, we can see ourselves in Jonah. Because for some of us in the room, for a lot of us in the room, we have been fighting God every step of the way. Yeah, you're you're saved, but there's parts of your life that he's asking you to surrender to him. And you're fighting 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 because you know. For some of you in the room or listening or watching, God has been speaking to you for a long time about substances or patterns of behavior that you depend on to survive. And it wasn't a problem until it was a problem. And you know, he's speaking to you and you hear testimonies like last week from Jesse and this week from Angela about about recovery and meetings. And you're so terrified to take one step because you know, if you take one step, you know, There's going to come a moment when God is going to ask you to lay it down. From where you're standing right now, you don't want to do that. So you fight him. Some of you in here, you know that God has been asking you to give some money that's been sitting over in an account. And and you don't even like to check the balance on the account because you know every time you look at that number, the Holy Spirit says you need to give that. And you know if you begin to obey the Holy Spirit, if you begin to obey the voice of God, that eventually you're going to have to give that money. And you don't want to give that money, so you fight it. Some of you know that, 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 that what God is saying to you about the relationship that you're in, but you're afraid to even bring it up because you know if you give into it one step, you know, you know, you know that God is going to ask you to end that relationship. He already is and you know it. Some of you know that God is asking you to rebuild a relationship that you gave up on or you turned away from or a bridge that you burnt down and you don't wanna make the call or the text or set up the meeting because you know, you know if you do it, that God's gonna ask you to lay down what that person did to you that hurt you and that you have held on to since then. Some of you, showed up today or you're watching today. I actually had a chance to meet somebody at our nine o'clock service who'd been watching online and showed up the first time today. But some of you are terrified to even start watching or to show up here in this building today because your mom or your dad or your friend's been asking asking you to come, asking you to come, asking you to come, asking you to come. And you knew, you knew you'd like it. You knew if you came, that eventually you are gonna give your heart to Jesus and you've been fighting it every step of the way. And what Jonah is going to teach us is that you can do it the hard way or you can do it his way, but you are not going to get away from what God is wanting to do in your life. So stop fighting God and obey what you know he's telling you to do. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, God, that through every step of my life, when I was fighting you, you didn't give up on me. Thank you, God, that that, that when I was like a Ninevite, despicable and disgusting and gross and violent Maybe some believed was too far gone. God, you sent Jesus like Jonah to me and you, you showed mercy to me. Thank you, God, that when I could not have a relationship with you, you sent Jesus so that I could. God, I pray that you would help me, give me the courage that the Holy Spirit would, would haunt me and not leave me alone and get, give me the courage to, to stop fighting what I know you're asking me to do. I don't have to guess, God, I know. I know where you're taking me and I know where you're leading me and I wanna stop fighting you. So God, I pray that today we would say yes and we would stop being so stubborn and say yes to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.